I like sharing on social media because that is a crazy way that people vet you. It's yeah, insane. Yeah. It used to be people will go to your website. No, now people go to your social media platform and scroll and see the kind of person that you are. Right. And so be who you are everywhere in person and on social media. Welcome to Teach Me Real Estate Investing, a show where I share my personal journey and the challenges I face as an investor. I invite industry experts to share their wisdom and advice to help me overcome these adversities with the hopes that it'll help you on your own personal journey. I'm your host, Sogad Ghimire, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Twenty. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we're lucky to have with us Tereva Jacobson, and we're going to dive into hard money and private money lending. With that, Tereva, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Sagat. Yeah, so before we get started, could you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself, how you got started in real estate, and where you are in your real estate investing journey today? Sure. Um, first of all, an honor to be here. I love talking about real estate and share my journey if it helps one person out there i am thrilled um i am originally from tahiti but i moved to maui in hawaii in early 2000s right after high school and uh honestly so i, I have a, a dancing background so i'm a polynesian dancer did that most of my life and um and about in 2017 i kind of got a bit serious about real estate investing. I bought a mentorship, but I didn't take action until 2020 when my husband and I decided to make a drastic change in our lives and I needed to be more present for my daughter. So in 2020, I went full-time into real estate. And in 2020, I did two wholesales. I did what's called reverse wholesaling. And in 2021, I started buying rentals and did a couple of flips that really propelled me to take a lot more action in 2022. Um, I own, I can't tell you how many properties, I mean, I could if I counted, but right now we are at a total of 18 doors. That is condos, duplexes, single families, triplex, and as of last week, we just closed on a fourplex. Um, and yeah, that's about what my real estate journey and my background is about. That's incredible. So you started in 2020, and in two years, you were able to acquire 18 doors. And you said you're closing on four more, or does that count in the 18? Uh, that, that's part of the 18. Um, mm. We are also closing on a 13-unit multifamily. Yeah. Um, at least we're under contract, you know, just kind of going through that. And uh, yeah. yeah, the escrow process and getting to the closing table is it can be quite a task, especially with um, a, a, like your biggest deal to date, you know, 13 yeah. minutes is a lot. Yeah. Right. Uh, when you first got started, uh, you said you did two. What are reverse wholesales, by the way? Could you just give us a brief overview? Of yeah. That? Um, so usually wholesaling is you get a property under contract and then you look for buyers. Mm -hmm. Reverse wholesaling is you actually have your buyers in line. Oh and you find out exactly what their buying criteria is. And then you probably just market to what they want to buy, get good at negotiations, get it under contract, and you sell to like these specific buyers with whom you've built relationship. Um, you trust them to 
close, you know, within right. the timeline that you promise your sellers and such. So it is, you know, there are pros and cons about regular wholesaling and right. reverse wholesaling, but that's just how I started. And by doing that, I was able to learn a, a lot about real estate investing and marketing and negotiations and because I was really hands-on with my end buyer. Yeah, that that's awesome. So how did you, so like I, I feel like I've been educating myself for a while, but I didn't really think of this reverse wholesaling strategy, right? How did you even come across this? Was this something you learned through that mentorship program or, yeah, I, I'm just very curious. It was actually by accident. Um, okay. I didn't even know it was reverse wholesaling until I saw a video later on. I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I did. That's what it's called. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. I mean, there was just not a name for it when I was studying real estate mm -hmm. and learning all of the ways to yeah. to wholesale or, or flip. And mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's just um, it was by accident because a buyer reached out to me. So it, it was a little different, you know? Yeah. Uh, when you first got started, what were some of the challenges that you initially faced and how did you overcome those? The biggest challenge for me um, in my story, that's not for everyone, the biggest challenge was mindset. Mm -hmm. And I never believed in a thing that I was able to accomplish in a couple of years. I was in a lot of debt so it's just the compilation of what your belief system is, is made up of that just doesn't give you the confidence to talk to sellers right. and invest money into marketing and networking and education you know so uh mindset like now looking back mindset was probably the biggest challenge and again, looking back when I see, when I take a look at the few things that I did, um, today they're very little things, but back then it seemed big, like these challenges seemed big. Money, for example, um, I started real estate investing with a huge debt to my name and never thought I would pay that debt off so quickly never thought that I could buy a, a, an investment property, honestly. So I thought I was going to wholesale for a really long time. Mm -hmm. But it, it's not the case and yeah. that belief system, you know. Um, the other thing was um, my in, in environment or just, you know, I had dif different friends, not that they're bad friends, but I was just not um, surrounded by real estate investors who mm -hmm. have been through what I've been through, who have been through worse. So I wasn't hearing encouragement uh, yeah. on almost a daily basis. You know, it was yeah. just friends, coworkers and such. Um, and it was a little, it, it was a bit difficult with um, my husband because um, of the initial investment, you know, we, it all came out of pocket. Mm -hmm. which is why I was $150,000 in debt. Right. 
Yeah, I, I just want to touch on mindset a little bit, just because that's something I struggle with uh, myself as well, and I think a lot of people do. Um, this is my first year in real estate investing, and so you know, I, I have been educating myself. You know, I've been, uh, I, I'm now in a mentorship program, so you know, I know these things are possible, but. Uh, you know, I work a full-time job and I'm doing this and there are some times when things get busy, especially where I'm like, am I just wasting my time? What am I doing with my life? Am I even, you know, made to succeed? So what are some things that helped you get over those mental hurdles and, you know, believe in yourself? I only spoke about my challenges to the right people. So people that were probably 10, 20 years ahead of me in real estate investing, that's it. Mm -hmm. And they faced the same or similar challenges um, of self-belief, of, you know, potential. And the the ones who um, are, you know, have the patience to walk you through it are, you know, really key in Mm-hmm. your progression and that that ladder kind of that you you climb in your real estate journey um because they they've been through the same things um issues with your family somebody's been through it issues with money somebody's been through it um and you know with their if they're patient enough they'll walk you through many many things and help you see the light and mm-hmm. um yeah, and also, you know, sometimes I'm inspired by, by my friends who started right just where I was, and I see them today, and they're thriving, and um, we all know that it is just kind of, like, possible. I know um, a lot of newer investors always talk to me about money. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money, mm-hmm. and yeah. I don't know what else to say to I was 150K in the hole, like... And somehow, like, how do you think I did it? Like, mm-hmm. right. you know, I, I, there's definitely not even skills. I don't know. It's just uh, this whole mindset thing is incredible. Yeah. Uh, once you kind of grasp it, it, mm-hmm. it does change a lot. Um, so the right people around me, um, and I just really stayed active. And I, I didn't have a full time job then. Um, but I was always able to attend meetups, whether in person or virtual meetups. And I made it a point to always attend because it kept me involved. Every single day I would hear about real estate investing one way or another. And I just kept going. I can tell you it took me months to see money. Mm-hmm months and the first few thousand dollars that I made I didn't touch it I invested right back into the mentorship uh, into real estate because I knew that a thousand here three grand there five grand there back into marketing and and more education would allow me to probably 5x the next year which it did somehow i trusted that and i did it you know i yeah um so i did not 
look for the fast, the quick money option. So mm-hmm. a lot of people, sometimes they're just so eager, which I understand, eager for the deal, eager to see money, um, right. eager to achieve a contract and such. I, I really understand and, and eager to start like feeling the benefits. Mm-hmm. But I mean, my, I know a lot of people say it, mm-hmm. it is a lot harder than uh, to say it. Like harder said, easier said than done. But it works. It, it, mm-hmm. it worked for so many people that I know. So it's like yeah. the delayed gratification that can be hard as well. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about money, right? That's the topic for today. And I think you mentioned that a lot of people struggle with this. This was the same thing I struggled with, which is why I sought out my mentor. Um, I, you know, the first two properties I bought, I used my own money and then I didn't have any more. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I can't scale. But it was, I made it my goal to pursue this. And so I sought a mentor. Um, so uh, for folks who are in the similar mindset that they don't have money, they can't scale, uh, could we talk about you know the solutions uh, that they should pursue or they should be aware of uh, that could help them scale their business? Mm-hmm. So one of the secret weapons of real estate investing is private lenders. That is friends, family members, acquaintances that you connect with who know, like, and trust you and who will trust that you are a good investment for them and they will um, lend money to you. Again, easier said than done, but it's a matter of taking action, building credibility, and we build credibility by taking action, not by getting deals. so yes, private money lenders are our secret weapons. And private money lenders are who we get what we call gap funding, which is usually the down payment and closing costs, maybe a portion or the entirety of the rehab. So we raise the money from private money lenders. Now, if you've got a $50,000 deal, maybe one person is needed to just give you everything you need. If you've got a $500,000 deal, maybe you need to raise capital from a couple of different private money lenders. So it really depends. And the way that I use private money lenders is to cover gap funding, which is down payment, closing costs, holding costs. Sometimes the rehab, it really really depends on the numbers. Um, And so that's one way. The other way is Um, a lot of investors think that conventional lending, no, I'm sorry, a lot of newer investors think that conventional lending is the only way to buy properties, investment properties. It's not. There are, there, there is this thing called DSCR. It's a debt service loan. You receive money based on the asset, Mm -hmm. meaning what the asset can produce financially. And that's mainly the value of the asset, like as a, compared to other homes that sold in the area, as well as the income that the asset produces, meaning rent, rental income. If you've got a coin operated, washing like wash and dryer in there uh, or laundry set, um, they'll take that into consideration. Um, so all of these things are out there; they're just not talked about. Um, and then I also 
realized that when we raise private money from friends, family, acquaintances, excuse me, <coughs> when we raise private money, when we raise private money, we are actually offering our private lenders the opportunity to make a return on their money. So some some deals we can offer 12% return. Some deals we can only offer 8% return. For someone out there, it is better than what they're getting in their savings account. It is better than what they're getting in their 401k. So they'll invest with you if they know you, like you, and trust you. So I always tell my private lenders or anyone who's wondering about private lending, whether they want to become borrowers or lenders, that the relationship between a borrower and a lender and for a deal to happen is not only the deal and not only the investor, it's both. So um, in my opinion, in certain, in certain, in certain um, situations, scenarios, or for certain deals, it is best to vet your private lenders, like potential private lenders, and talk to them and educate them on the risks, the potential, the paperwork that it requires, the kind of commitment that this is. Um, because sometimes you don't see a return for maybe eight to 12 months because it's gonna take that long to sell a property, right? Um, each project has a different timeline. So yeah, um, let's see, what else? Um, so I want to hard touch money. on, oh. yeah, hard money yeah. as well, right? Yeah, right, go ahead. so hard money lenders. Hard money lenders are also lenders who lend based on the asset, not necessarily on you, the borrower. Proof is I was able to borrow when I was $150,000 in debt. Like what conventional lender would possibly give me that? Um, a hard money lender will do that if you kind of meet like their their credit score criteria. You know, they don't ask for proof of income. They analyze the way that you analyzed your deal, they'll analyze it as well. They have their own parameters and such and underwriting procedure or process, but it, it's happening. It, it happens for everyone. So hard money lenders, they, um, I think a lot of newer investors do not want to use hard money lenders because rates are so much, so much higher. And to that, I say, if it works, if you count for the interest rate, even if it's 10 or 12% in your deal and you still make money, why wouldn't you use that? They can close you in 30 days. Some can close in like two weeks. So why wouldn't you use them if you're still making money at the end of the day? Because some sellers are in distress and they need to close in two to four weeks. Otherwise they're facing um, a difficult situation, whatever the case is. So everybody will win if you can close with a hard money lender. So yeah, that's what I say to that. So private money, hard money, and hard money lenders do offer DSCR loans as well if you're going to, if you wanna do long-term. So with hard money lenders, they offer what's called a bridge loan, which is more of like the fix and flip, more for fix and flips. Um, and then they offer longer term loans. Some are 
called DSCR loans. Yeah. When you first have a deal on hand that you're like, hey, I need to finance this somehow, is there one that you t tend to gravitate towards? Is there one that in your mind is, hey, I'm always going to try this approach first, and if I'm stuck, then I go to other, op other options? Yes. So because I've worked with like a couple of hard money lenders several times, mm -hmm. um, I kind, I'm, I kind of know their underwriting process, what they require, what they like to see in the deal. Therefore, when I get a deal and you know I analyze it myself, I know which lender to go to or which yeah. lender will fit yeah. best. Right. Also, not all lenders lend nationwide, so it, it right. also matters where you lend. <clears throat> However. Um, there, I have like one main guy. He's, or that that hard money lender is my go-to, and if I can't make it happen with them, I'll I'll go somewhere else. Um, yeah, I guess my question yeah. was more so hard money versus private money, right? Like you could either go and raise the money oh, to okay. private lenders, uh, mm -hmm. or you can go to a hard lend hard money lender. I'm just trying yeah. to evaluate if there are pros and cons to those two approaches. For uh, sure. And and what I should yeah. think about when I consider financing my deal. Okay, so I will preface this with: I usually ninety percent of the time my deals are structured with a hard money lender and then mm. i bring in a private to cover gap rehab Got whatever it. okay yeah so i yeah. usually start off with hard money rarely do i go all private but i've done it now pros and cons private money lenders they are people so my pros are it's a person making money. It's not an institution, mm -hmm. a business that has overhead and it's got, who has to pay a bunch of like um, uh, commissions and such, right? So private money is that. And usually it's a relationship type of agreement. It's not paperwork, black and white type of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, and I like that my friends are making money alongside me. Right rather than a big business so um i don't the cons maybe with private money lending might be that um maybe their interest rates their terms might be a bit high but yeah it sometimes it's better to go private um mm -hmm. the other pros is some a lot of lenders have like really strict rules and if you don't check it all off like you can't get the deal done uh the pros with hard money lender is especially when you start doing more deals is just you know what they like to see and you can it once a deal fits their checkbox boom you can yeah. take it to them uh, for brand new person brand new person you don't know what you don't know right right um, you're gonna you're gonna play with a bunch of them you know you're gonna do one deal with one it was horrible, you're gonna, on your next year, you're gonna find someone else. It was great, you're gonna keep going back to them. Luckily for me, my very first deal, it was amazing with this one lender and I've stayed with them for, you know, everything that I can finance with them, I do. So here's the like one cool thing. Not, not every hard money lender is this way, but my hard money lender only checks credit once a year. So once a year, I need amazing credit. 
yeah. the rest of the time it's not too crazy you know like I'll, I can max out my credit cards until I sell my flip or whatnot um, private money lenders no credit check whatsoever <laughs> unless some maybe some might ask you for it but again yeah. private money lending is relationship based some hard money lenders out there they do a credit check for every single deal that you bring right. to them so um, I'm not really a fan of that because I I would like to keep my credit in a decent spot, you know. I will right. I will need it eventually. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah. So these are kind of like the pros and cons of using private and hard money. Yeah. When you do private money, this is a relationship between you and another person or another I don't know, uh, family or something. Someone yeah, it, it like, is, it's yeah, a person, it's right? Yeah. Right. Uh, how do you go about structuring the deal? Do you just offer them a flat? I'm going to give you an X percent return on your money, or is there some sort of equity built into the deal as well? Uh, I, I imagine most of these are for flips, so I, I don't know how this uh, that would you know come into play. But like, how do you, could you talk a little bit about how you structure it, and you know what has worked and what hasn't worked for you in the past? Okay, so. All of the above and none of the above. Mm-hmm. When you structure a deal with a private party, yeah, you, as the investor, you may have like a set or like preferred terms, but then it, all of the all of this is negotiable, which you can't do with a hard money, right? They have set terms, so there are three parts in what we call terms that are negotiable. I would say. Um, the first one is the interest rate, the APR, that your private mm-hmm. lender or the private party will earn, APR. The second part is the length of the loan. There are deals that will take six months, deals that will take 24 months, right? Mm-hmm. The bigger the deal, usually the, the longer um, you'll need private funds for. So that's two. The third one is what what the repayment plan is i i've done it all i have private lenders who want to get paid and get a cash flow every single month i've got private lenders who are like no when you sell when you refinance pay me i've got some who want to get paid quarterly and i even have some who asked me not to pay them at all in 2022 (laughs) they'll just get like uh they're like okay january 2023 pay me because they just didn't want to report like so much income so i'm not gonna pay them until 2023 so there's all of that Mm -hmm. and this is the beauty of private lending because all of this works out now as far as equity um there's a couple of things um you as the investor no matter what, the terms have to work for your deal. Like everybody needs to make money, right? And you as the investor, you not only risk the most because the deal's under your name, the right. insurance is under your name, right? Like you are the one risking the most um, and you are offering an opportunity for friends, acquaintances to make money alongside you. Yeah. Um, when a private lender asks for equity that private lender needs to truly understand what that means an equity partner rides the wave of the asset asset does well they do well asset Mm -hmm. doesn't do well they don't do well asset does negative they do negative so i to 
to make sure that the relationship with the private lender is clean and is a long-lasting relationship, I've got a bunch of repeat private lenders to make sure that that is not compromised. I make it a point to keep people as private lenders and not equity partners because things can get ugly when people lose money, as right. we all know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they just sent you like, not necessarily their life savings, but mm. it could be, you know, like maybe they took 10 years to build an amount of money here and that they're lending that to you. That's 10 years right. of their life, right? Yeah. So to keep things clean, amicable, I'm like, you want to stay as a lender. You will always make money as a lender. As an equity partner, you may not mm -hmm. make money. Yeah. Uh, I've had people ask me that they want to make cash like a cash flow and APR and equity. Um, I think that's a bit, again, it depends. Maybe the deal will work, but I, I, that's also a dangerous play for you as the investor. Um, and also, I don't know, it's just equity partnership become a partnership. So you have to understand that you're kind of marrying this person. Like, are you ready for that? Right. Are you ready to right. be married for the length of your of your deal, right? right. So does it work for the deal? Maybe. And, you know, do it and then learn from it. Does it work for you? Great. You'll do it again. Does it not work for you? Then don't do it again. Yeah. Uh, are there certain things you would avoid, um, certain people or certain lenders that you'd avoid taking money from? Like, have you ever said no to money? Um, mm hmm and I guess, could you talk a little bit about that? Like what, yeah. I, what I should look out for, right? So, and I will say that this is just me as Tereva, how I invest and how I borrow money. Because I am huge on reputation, Hawaii is really small. I burn mm -hmm. one person, I'm pretty much done, right? So I don't right. want to ever do that. So I will not take money um, from, I will not take someone's life savings, honestly. Um, I I always ask. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not sure what you are able to lend, but you must have an emergency fund. You can't lend that. And I say this because it's happened to my friends where something happened and they needed their funds out of a deal. And it can take two to four weeks maybe for us to re-raise the funds if we don't have those funds in, you know, right. sitting in our bank. It may take some time to pay these people back. Therefore, um, I want to make sure that someone's not lending me their life savings or their emergency fund. Um, the other thing is we have to be aligned, and that's again, that's just me, meaning if this is a 12-month, commitment um it needs to align with your goals clearly it aligns with the the, the strategy that we have the plan with this property mm -hmm. or this deal your funds align with that but do we align with you um our names somewhat will be attached like you know i want to make sure that you will be you'll take pride in doing business with me. Like, right. you know, you'll be um, ecstatic to have done one deal with me, you know? So I, I take pride or yeah, I I put priority on that. 
Um, communication is huge. You have to be able to have the hard conversations. Hard conversations are, hey, I need more time. I'm not able, the project went, went longer, the market is shifting. I'm not able to get you your funds within 12 months. Do you, are you okay if we extend this? You know, what would this require? Um, and that's not always an easy conversation to have or um, which I I mean I I've heard things you know it hasn't happened in my business but I've, I've heard of other stories where the deal didn't turn out as well and there's no money for interest they'll reimburse the principal but there's no money for the earned interest in the deal uh, I'm not a fan of that and I don't ever want to have that conversation I'm just saying it's a possibility we have to be okay to with communications. And the other thing is, um, I, I come across a lot of um, lenders who <clears throat> want to learn at the same time. And they're, in my opinion, they're kind of looking for some kind of mentorship, guidance, and they have direct access to me, right? So one thing that I personally ask is, if they're looking to make money and for mentorship, I just ask for a bit of a discount on the APR. That's all. Like, if you're going to need an hour from me every week, mm-hmm. two hours from me every month, like, let's just make some, yeah. you know, something that works. Because as we all know, I'm going to give up time with my family or time looking for deals, working on deals and such. So mm-hmm. um, by sort of like mentoring and guiding them and, um, helping them analyze deals. So with, again, with private lenders, it's so relationship-based for me. Not all yeah. investors are this way, but for me, yeah. it's relationship-based. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and I'm, let's see, what else? Um, communication, being able to have hard, uh, hard conversations. Uh, what could go wrong in the deal? Are they okay with that? Like the things that would go wrong, you know? Mm-hmm. We're all taking a chance here so yeah yeah, let's make sure that we're all well with the risks that we're all taking if someone is investing with you and you're like raising money for a flip for example is their money in any way tied to that house or is it just solely just a relationship just a deal between you and the lender i hope you're enjoying the episode so far and if you are i would really appreciate it if you could give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on It would help get the podcast in front of more people so that they can also get value out of it. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so it depends. Um, We, there's this thing called second lien position. Mm -hmm. Um, it's It's a bit tricky, but when you sign a promissory note, this is for lenders. Excuse me, if you sign a promissory note, you want to see an address somewhere um, because that makes that promissory note a recourse promissory note. Um, If there's nothing, if it's just give me money without a goal or without a, I guess, a recourse, um, it becomes a non-recourse and you can't even take that to court. So um, the other thing is we can, us as the investor, we can put their name as a second lien position on the deal. Again, if a private lender is funding an entire deal, they get what's called first lien position. 
Like, it's not automatic. Like, you really, uh, if you ever want to become a private lender, I suggest that you learn about it a little bit. There are books out there. Actually, Bigger Pockets has something. Yeah. I forget the name of the yeah. book. I guess in my situation, I'd be raising from friends and family who may not know these things, right? So I want to make sure that they feel comfortable lending me money. Um, yeah. And I don't expect them to go out and educate themselves on what's required mm-hmm. to be a private lender, right? So, uh, it's, it's so I guess in that situation. Educate, them. educate right. everyone, you know, um, and make sure that, you know, it's like you don't have to invest with me, but if you are ever going to become a private lender, please know your risks and benefits and or or potential return um but put these things in place um everything's got to be on black and white you have to sign a promissory note if you want a lien position know that there's additional paperwork that that happens Mm -hmm. and you usually have to sign some things as a private lender it is never recommended that you wire money to the borrower you should be dealing with a title and equity um, okay. Office uh, company, yeah. Um, yes, so this is for private lenders. Usually, at least an equity, not equity, a lean position mm-hmm. would be that. So, if the way that I do most of my deals, I've got a hard money lender, and then I raise private. I put them in second lean positions. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, something that you've mentioned a couple of times, especially uh, like earlier in the in the podcast, mm-hmm. was. Um, know, like, and trust, right? You want people to know, like, and trust you. What are some ways that I can do that, that I can accomplish that? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things I... Go ahead. Yeah. One of the things I struggle with right right now is, you know, I'm somewhat new. I only have two properties. I haven't undertaken a flip before. There, I don't have a lot of credibility, right? How do I convince a private lender that they should come in on this journey with me and lend me money, right? So I think it's really those three things. They need to know, like, and trust me. And yeah, I'd like to hear your advice mm-hmm. on that. First of all, you are not new. You own two properties. You have no idea how many people wish they were in your shoes. So no, you don't have no experience. Let's get that out of, <laughs> like, let's make that clear. Yeah. Um, how do you get people to know, like, and trust you? In my opinion, be yourself. Um, put yourself in the shoes of a private lender. What would, what would my ideal private lender want to see? Mm-hmm. And I think transparency, honesty, um yeah it, it to me that works better so to to get to know you um yeah. i don't know how to explain this but being yourself mm-hmm. you know whatever that means to you you know yeah. are you are you a fitness junkie are you are you a family man like whatever that is are you driven for like anything that feels like you mm-hmm. um you be it you know you don't need to lie like lying your way through anything is just exhausting in my opinion um people need you know they want to get to know you and like sharing just just sharing i mean i speak a lot about this on social media Mm -hmm. and i'm i I don't want to say that i'm loud on social media in like an obnoxious way but i like sharing on social media because 
that is a crazy way that people vet you. It's yeah, insane. Yeah. It used to be people will go to your website. No, now people go to your social media platform and scroll and see the kind of person that you are. Right. And so be who you are mm-hmm. everywhere, in person and on social media. And that's how they get to know and like you. How do they trust yeah. you? You build credibility in anything and everything that we do. I truly believe you know like i don't know i I can only give you give you my personal example i i'm a mom and like my daughter is my world i'm a dancer um i have a very i have i've been dancing since uh i was a teenager i was i was born in a dancing family Mm -hmm. like that like it's so true that that will never change you know um so that's pretty easy like just be you um right um i know that people say to stay out of what is it like politics and religion um because i personally i'm just not that i'm not religious and i don't know enough about politics um i learn what's needed and Mm -hmm. i whatever you know that's not everyone so I probably wouldn't really like I don't get into anything that's not me so as far as credibility in my opinion it comes from taking so much action and mm-hmm. um, I've had private lenders who I'll take to my projects like wh- if, whether they're landing yeah. on it or not I'm like hey uh, if you are mm-hmm. thinking about being a private lender or you know like do networking things teach people so um, on social media, I love uh, showing how much I do, which I do, daily, you know, I'm blessed to be doing this full time. So what I do, uh, with whom I do business, um, it's just everything. And that's how you kind of build, you know, how you build. And it works because I've been approached by total strangers yeah. And we still have somewhat of an onboarding call with private lenders, you know, so I can go into more details. Like social media is one thing. You you see what you see on social media. And then I do an onboarding call and I just go over a little bit more, uh, whether it's my experience or my life, like w- whatever the case is. Um, I just want to be really, really transparent. And I want them to know who they are doing business with. Um, one thing that I don't like is being questioned, having my integrity mm-hmm. being questioned or them having questions. Uh, yeah, so I like, and honestly, after doing a few deals, you can learn what what to ask. So for newer investors who are listening right now, you don't know until you do it. You can learn from 10 different investors. They'll tell you 10 different ways of finding private money and all they all work but what will work for you is for you to find out um there you can raise private capital on social media you can raise Mm -hmm. private capital in person you can raise private capital at the thanksgiving dinner table okay so what works for you i don't i can't do it at thanksgiving dinner table i have no family here so that's not gonna happen I use, I leverage social media as much as possible. I'm in mentorships. I leverage my mentorships as well. So um, that's how you be you. And that's how the right lenders come your way. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I follow you on Instagram, and I think you have some awesome content. And I, I feel like you know, you, you've been quite successful on that platform. Uh, do, do you think there is something you do or something you've done that has led to that success? Or do you think it's just... Yeah, I, I just want to hear, like, as someone who is trying to grow and establish my own credibility, uh, what are some things that I should keep in mind when pursuing that? Um, being consistent. Okay. Um, and again, if you were a private lender, mm -hmm. if you were giving someone yeah. $100,000, what would you like to see? And you provide that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really, you're going to attract the, the right people being that. Um, on on social media, it's a lot about value and a lot about being able to make connections on social media. Yeah. I've made friends on social media. I've People I've never met and we've somewhat done business together right, of some right. sort. We've, you know, we've shared, right. we share things in common and then we end up meeting in person, which is amazing. So... Mm -hmm. It's very, um, yeah, it's on social media, the web is very vast and right. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I think, uh, one last thing is I feel like, you know, just hearing you talk about all the things you do, I feel like there's a lot, right? You're a mom, you're a dancer, uh, you have spent time with your family and you're doing all this real estate stuff. Uh, do you have any tips on how you're managing your time and managing to balance all of this? Because sometimes I feel this is something I struggle with where I have my full-time job, I want to have this real estate stuff going, and time management is something I struggle with. And I'd like to hear a little bit about you know how you think about it. Mm -hmm. um, discipline and Discipline and consistency to me go hand in hand one creates the other and it's just like that like back and forth mm -hmm. um taking action creates momentum which creates consistency which creates discipline and which creates results yeah um time management is it can be crucial um mm -hmm. i've i pretty much time block my life I let go I've learned especially this year scaling at the rate that I've scaled yeah. I truly believe that it's hard as a mom to scale um, and owning another business and having multiple responsibilities but right. letting go of control was huge and I'm I wouldn't recommend it right in the beginning but I mm -hmm. think you eventually get comfortable and make the right connections and build the right teams to start like letting go of control. Um, but yeah, time management is huge. Um, anything that will work for you, you mm. need to do. And for me, I will say that I was doing things quite blindly. I set goals like make 200 cold calls every day mm. and it was literally on the post-it and I counted you know how many cold calls I made and and then it became like really easy and then no like within three or four months I got something under contract yeah. so 
when it when you get that result like it, it just makes you want to do more so i don't know how you got your your first two properties but i i know that it takes work mm-hmm. building your savings account um i think we all have what it takes um it's a matter of using our strengths and placing them where we are most efficient yeah. um time management some people use google calendar some people use an excel spreadsheet some people use a paper um mm-hmm. journal or calendar planner planner so whatever works for you what kind of you know what will make you yeah. be consistent is it a letter to yourself in one year mm-hmm. dear me 2024 this last year has been amazing i bought and sold six fix and flip blah 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 like yeah. is that and then you leave that at your desk like is it yeah honestly i think it comes to what works for you um yeah yeah, yeah my best that's advice awesome. sorry yeah i wish i had yeah. more <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i think that's very valuable uh so for folks who have listened to this podcast and they're now excited about real estate and they want to get started do you have advice on you know what a new investor should do, be doing to, uh, if they're looking to get into real estate investing? Mm-hmm. My best advice would be to apply, aka take action, everything that you learn. Mm-hmm. The danger there is that if you learn too much, you might be applying too much and therefore not being able to focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to learn. We have to learn, we have to get an education. Whether that's a mentorship, YouTube, podcasts, books, education is out there. Free and affordable education is out there. But it is what we do with it, right? Um, parallel to that is focus. Um, I remember listening to the Bigger Pockets podcast when it was still like once a week. I forget what day it would come out. Um, I would listen to it and then the guest that they had on was a multifamily investor and I was like, oh, I want to get into that. The very next mm-hmm. week, they've got a single family fix and flipper. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to get into that. <laughs> that is so bad. So, so taking action, applying what you're learning, but with that, like knowing what your goal is and this is why a lot of us, a lot of my friends get into goal setting mm-hmm. this month usually and I usually do it like at the very end, I like my time off and taking my time to set those goals. And we um, we just set out the goals for the next year. And this is where I wanna be in a year, three years, five years, whatever the case is. And how, what do you use in real estate to get there? Yeah. For example, my very first year, I wanted to pay off my debt. Mm-hmm. Oh, how do you do that? Probably fix and flips pay that off like the fastest way possible it's usually fix and flips um this year i wanted to build my rental portfolio Mm -hmm. what do i need to do uh probably raise more private capital probably connect with more wholesalers like whatever the case is um you know there is a there is a there is a way in real estate to achieve what you want so by knowing what you want you get to figure out what real estate strategy will work for you. Yeah. If you want to 
quit your W-2 job in three years, you need to build cash flow maybe, and that will equal your W-2 job or beat yeah. it. Yeah. So how do you do that? Right. What is that gonna take? Boom, then you figure that out. In five years, you want to travel the world and make a hundred grand, I don't know, a hundred grand yeah. or 200 grand a year what do you do in real estate to generate two hundred thousand dollars a year what does that look like monthly weekly daily and do that yeah 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 um as the one thing that might be hard for me to speak on is having a full-time job and doing real estate investing because when i had my full-time job it was super hard um i quit my w-2 to pursue real estate however i had a bit another business i have a dance school that s sustains me mm -hmm. not having a W-2. Yeah. And we did make a lot of uh, sacrifices in our financial lifestyle to allow that. So, mm -hmm. you know, there was a give and take there, but we are so happy that we did yeah. we made that decision. Meaning when I say we as my husband and I, yeah, no, I think your story is truly inspirational. Um, I'd like, I'm a little curious about the next steps for you. So what are your, well, what is your ultimate goal that you're working towards and what do you hope to accomplish in 2023? Um, in 2023, I will probably focus on multifamily investing, yeah. bigger deals and I know what that requires and I'm going to build that and and achieve that. Um, also, we're going to generate some active income through fix and flip. So mm -hmm. I feel like fix and flips are good to generate income and always have like this good cushion, mm -hmm. but put that into some long-term you know not only the cash benefits but the wealth building building wealth building benefits um and i don't know maybe i'll find my primary residence this mm -hmm. year i'm not sure yeah that's awesome i'm excited to follow you and for uh follow your journey and for uh folks that are listening to this this podcast that also want to follow your Thank journey you. where, where can they find you um i think the easiest way would be to find me on Instagram, Tereva Invests. It's, I do check my messages. I, I do take a while to get back to people sometimes. Um, but yeah, especially I'm the type to leave things unread until I can really address it. So, and because I know myself, once I check something and I get distracted, I never get back to people. It's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I learned a lot today. Thank you so much for being here. You're I'm excited. So I Thank am you. ready to go start. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go start raising money, private money and, you know, expand my portfolio. I think your uh, story, you know, it makes me feel like I can do this too. It makes me really believe. So uh, thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. I'm 500% sure that <laughs> I have no doubt. No, 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 no doubt. Whatever it is that you want to do. You'll get it. <laughs> Thank you. Put the work in. You'll get it. Yeah. Thank you. All right. See you next time. See you next time.
All right, that is the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, I would really appreciate it if you could take a moment to give me a five-star rating on whichever platform you're listening to me on. It would really help my mission of teaching more people about real estate investing. Thank you, and I'll see you in the next one.